0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. Hello, everyone. Thanks once again for listening to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Favalli, coming at you once more without my co-host, Andrew D. Bailey. I am, however, excited today to be joined by Mo De Keel. Uh He is a former video coordinator for the Los Angeles Clippers and San Antonio Spurs, currently a freelance contributor for the Washington Post, and he is also with Our parent podcast company, Blue Wire Podcast, follow them at Blue Wire Pods. You can find Mo talking on Blue Wire Buckets across all these other podcasts on our network. He's also getting his own podcast, which has yet to be named, so be on the the lookout for that. If you're not following him on Twitter... I would strongly recommend it. He has great insights and analysis, X's and O's breakdowns on there. He is at Keel underscore MBA. That's at M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore MBA. If you want to follow me, I'm at Dan Favalli. Andy can be found at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. And once more, we would just like to remind you to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We can also be found wherever else you consume your podcasts, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, Spotify, all those good places. But iTunes is still the best way to let us know that you're out there, that we are not just rambling, yelling, screaming, delivering these crummy basketball takes into the void. Take the 10 to 15 seconds out of your day, search Hardwood Knocks on iTunes, throw us that five-star rating, write a review, subscribe if you have not done so already. If you've already done all those things, please, we appreciate referrals, shout-outs on Twitter, anything to help us continue building up our brand and getting the word out. With all that said and out of the way, we will now be speaking with Mo DeKeele. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Favalli, coming at you once more without my co-host, Andrew D. Bailey. I am, however, super excited to be joined by Mo De Keel, who is a former NBA video coordinator for the Clippers and the Spurs, uh, and he's a freelance contributor to the Washington Post, and he's also a member of the Blue Wire Buckets Podcast Network. He has been all over the place there, including now on this podcast, podcast you can catch him on blue wire buckets and he will have his own podcast um which will to be named later that's the podcast that we're calling it at the moment
1: <laughs> for now yes I, I i almost feel like i'm uh uh uh, a man wandering the streets and just jumping into different podcasts whenever, <laughs> whenever there's an opportunity.
0: I have no doubt it'll be worth the wait. But now there's a lot of pressure on the name now because I feel like it's been promoted as this to be determined name. So like now the podcast name just has to be in an A one winner.
1: Well, I, I don't know. I kind of just think to be determined might be the best, <laughs> best podcast name.
0: It's like the new cash considerations, which is also the right. of Buckets podcast.
1: <laughs> right you know um unfortunately it's not baseball otherwise it'd be like you know a podcast to be named later uh
0: yeah i mean th- that that works a lot too i think in the nfl is there a lot of that maybe i have no idea there's not enough of I- that in the nba maybe it'll start popping out like over Near the draft, where it's like draft pick to be name later or something like that.
1: I'm always, I'm always curious how that works, but like,
0: uh
1: I want that guy now. (laughs) I don't, I don't don't know enough about it to to figure that out, but it just seems like uh, we're gonna take Ricky today. (laughs) That would be that's spectacular. Um, I have.
0: Pestered Mo to come on though and go deep on the clippers with me today. If you're not following Mo on Twitter, I would highly suggest doing that by now. Remedy it immediately. He can be found at Mo De underscore MBA. That's at M O D A K H I L underscore M B A. He's a fantastic follow, great analysis, X's and O stuff, insight into the teams. Again, follow him at Mo Dekeel underscore MBA. Before we get started though, how are you doing today, Mo?
1: I'm doing well. A uh, little, little cloudy. We had a little bit of rain in L.A. I know people com- really love it when I when I complain about L.A. weather, uh, but uh, we're not used to that here. And uh, sunny L.A. It's it's been weather's been pretty crappy the past week.
0: Look, I just want to admit that I harbor infinite resentment towards everyone in Mountain and Pacific time zones whenever there are <laughs> NBA games on. So I just need to clear my chest and get that get that out there right now.
1: Oh, no, I don't know how you guys do it. I was once in I was in New York at one point uh, two years ago. And I think like the Warriors Rockets game went to like double overtime. And I was just like, dude, I can't do this. I got to go to sleep. So, uh, you know, uh, I understand your your struggles and I'm not going to apologize. (laughs) though.
0: I wouldn't either. I covered uh, the playoffs from Mountain Times when I was in Denver once. And it was it was
1: bliss. It was like all (laughs) the
0: games were over. I was like, yo, it's only like 10 o'clock. What's going on? Right.
1: (laughs) Tonight's tonight's game starts at six. I'm gonna go watch it with a buddy. We'll be done by nine and you know, night's still young in LA.
0: Oh, yeah. Again, there's that resentment of mine cropping up once more. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am here to I did bring you on here to talk about the Clippers, and with them it's it's tough to answer big picture questions about a team really before an offseason plays out. For them it seems especially tough because everything is just contingent upon how free agency uh, plays out for them more than or about half their team is entering the open market they have a clear path to easily over 50 million dollars in cap space they can get a second max slot if they move some of their salary I, so since it starts everything starts with free agency for them do you think and i guess this is a it seems like a dumb time to ask this question with the lakers coaching search uh at peak hopelessness right now (laughs) but are the Clippers officially that more attractive destination than the Lakers are they the it team in LA now
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't go far to call them the it team like LA is always going to be a Laker town like there's no listen the history here the the attachment everything from Showtime Lakers to the movie stars that show up to games it's always going to be an LA crowd and if you you were in la during any of the laker playoff runs where they were uh looked like going to be championship contenders you know you know what i'm talking about all the cars had flags you know laker flags everywhere you couldn't get away from it so it's you know to and it's not a shot of the clippers this will never be fully a clipper town Mm -hmm. as soon as the lakers start to have any sort of success everybody will come running back so it's uh you know, it's, that's the situation there now in terms of for free agents. (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely, you know, the Clippers are definitely the more attractive destination right now. Um, from on on many levels, you know, they made the playoffs. They have a, a well-respected coach. They have a front office that actually has a plan and has some sort of idea of what they're what their goals are. And you, you know what you feel like with them? You feel like they have contingencies on top of contingencies. You know, you don't feel right. like they're going to be caught off guard. They've done a phenomenal job. Um, and you have to give credit to Lawrence, Frank, Eric winger, um, uh, Trent Redden and, and their entire staff. And, and then on top of all that, Steve bomber has been a phenomenal NBA owner. You know, w- look, he came into the league. He put doc as president, which wasn't a great choice. It wasn't a great decision. And he remedied that fairly quickly in terms of an NBA team timeline. I think it was, what, two or three years later, next, you know, Doc's just coaching. He's kind of fixed all that. He's pouring money into the organization. Um, you know, people forget it, but the guy's worth like $40 billion. Like, you know, his his value doubles from when he bought the team and it has nothing to do with the team at all with Microsoft. Um So he can pour all his money into it. He's trying to build a new arena. He's trying to get out of Staples Center and get out of the Lakers shadow. Like there's a lot of amazing things that the, that the Clippers have going for them that if you're a free agent, you're looking at that going like stable organization. They gave the Warriors a tough run through six games. They, uh, you know they traded their best player in Tobias Harris and still were making you know still were able to make the playoffs in a very difficult conference like there's just too many positives about about this organization that you know if you're you're any free agent I mean shoot not even just players i mean uh coaching opportunities chances to go work for that team they're gonna look at that team before they look at the Lakers right now I mean we saw it with winger and Redden passing up on opportunities uh to to stay with the Clippers so I think that's the difference between the two. In terms of fans, it's always going to be a Laker town, but in terms of free agents right now and things, I think they're the the most attractive of the bunch.
0: That was actually a point that I was going to make for you too. It's like if you're Winger and Redden and you had the chance for more prominent gigs and you withdrew your names and I'm just on the outside looking in as a player, I'm like, wow, that's a pretty big flex by the Clippers that their assistant front office executives or their general manager, Michael Winger, doesn't, doesn't want to leave.
1: Yeah. I mean, and these are, these aren't like lateral moves. These are opportunities to move up and, and, and run your own organization. You know, this is, this is a big thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, if this was the mafia, it's a chance to run your own family. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, probably not the smartest analogy I could have made, but eh, I went with it. Um, so, you know, I think that's, those are huge, huge things. There's obviously something building here. And, and you know what, having gone to many games and, and, and seen it firsthand, like it's getting there. Like you can feel kind of the good energy about it. This is every staff member I've spoken to who was there when I was with the Clippers and, and still there now have also the same thing. This is by far my favorite team. This is the team I love to be around. Like, you know, the other teams we had high expectations and, and, and had a higher ceiling, but this is my favorite team to be around. And that says a lot, man. That's, I mean, you, you can't beat that. No,
0: for sure. Uh, their their free agency plans, though they've it's been just well reported about how they've scouted so much of Kawhi Leonard um, and Kevin Durant. Is this for them? And I know I think there was recently reports that said they've they've been scouting Clay Thompson, which I don't think is a big deal on its own. But when you look at all these rumors, just their cap situation. They're in this interesting spot because you know if they do is this like if they do get Kawhi and then maybe another star if they even get just Kawhi it's really it's not I don't want to say easy but that's your direction and you know how to flesh out your roster from there but when they're looking at these stars and if they don't get Kawhi and or KD are are they a team that you see maybe pivoting to the more riskier max contract options like Kyrie or or Jimmy Butler or. Are they a team that then immediately pivots into plan B, whether that's, you know, salary cap flexibility or actually trying to build around this core long term? And I find this question personally fascinating just because you would think with a lot of teams, um, I would say some of the poorly managed teams, shout out to the New York Knicks, you immediately steer into these other names. But the Clippers, you know, moved Tobias Harris for a good return, but he was just considered this nice backup plan. Uh, from the outside. And so the fact that they moved him it makes me wonder if they don't get their what I think we can call their two primary targets, w- where do you think they're going to go from there?
1: Yeah, so I think they're in a good situation. I I don't think they're like like look, we I'm sorry, I'm going to bring in the Lakers a lot because it's comparison, not- but you know, the Lakers have to get somebody, right? Like that's been the big thing. Like they have to get a second star for LeBron. The Clippers don't you know if say they strike out they can easily run it back with this crew um and and guess what next year Gallinari's number comes off the books and and they'll they'll still have a ton of space and they can be players in that in that realm that free agency it also opens up the opportunity to to make a big trade and take a a, a disgruntled star maybe uh to to open things up and and take that money that way i i don't expect this organization to really panic. I think the moves they made, if you look at it, were all smart moves. Tobias Harris, for example, you know, it, it had to have been hard to trade him, but, you know, the their calculation is, hey, we're going big game hunting, this free agency. We're trying to get, you know, two of Kawhi, Clay, or or Kevin Durant. Um we we know there's going to be a high demand for for Tobias Harris. He might not be able to wait for us to, to, mm-hmm. to figure out our situation. So they flipped him and turned him into assets. And, and, and I mean, sham it, you know, Wilson Chandler, who, who didn't play much for them this year, but is a guy whose number comes off the books, uh, they got the two first rounders out of this one, including Miami's coveted two, uh, 2021, uh, unprotected first round pick. So that's a really, I mean, that's an amazing job. So I just don't think this is the type of group that will panic. If they don't get those guys, you know, if they don't get their guys cool, they'll just pivot to their next, you know, their next contingency plan, you know, so I think they're, I think they're in a good place to land at least one of them, um, possibly two, but I think, you know, the, the way they're set up, like, I, I, I would be shocked if they tied themselves to um and we've seen how great Jimmy Butler has been but tie themselves to a long-term deal with Jimmy Butler or Chase Kemba Walker or 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 even Chase Kyrie I just I just can't see them doing that
0: is it so is it smarter for them to go the placeholder route in that I don't want to call it a worst case scenario because they don't technically have these players but in that scenario is it smarter for them to go the placeholder route or do you look at the 2020 free agency class and you're sort of like eh? Um, or so then in which case would they, you know, you have, I know Williams contract non-guaranteed the season after next, Harrell and Gallo, as you say, come off the books next season. Do you look at maybe actually trying to build around that team in that scenario where it's you're not necessarily throwing these four and five year big money deals at players, but you're handing out multi-year packs to where you lock yourselves into the core for a little bit. Uh, or, or again, do you think that just going the placeholder route and trying to remain lean into twenty twenty would be the smarter play for them?
1: I think they'll try to remain lean. I think that's kind of the smart thing to do because it also opens up not necessarily just free agency that stuff, but you know, also opens up opportunities for trades. Right. And you know, also Anthony Davis is going to be a free agent next summer, most likely. Uh, you know, I, he, I don't think he'll sign an extension wherever he gets traded. Um, I think he'll wait. And then I think it behooves him to, to sign a, to wait, to become a free agent and then sign a a deal. So I think, you know, having, having the powder dry and ready to go for that, you know, they, they certainly can. I think, you know, we, I think we were going to talk about it at some point, but I think, you know, they, they should look at bringing back a Patrick Beverly. He was a big part of what they did heart and soul wise. And, and I think those are, You know, there's that kind of stuff. I think there'll be some guys they'll be willing to extend, some they won't. And, uh, but I just think knowing the organization and the way they do things, I mean, look at the Lou Williams deal. I mean, how, how team friendly of a deal is that? You know, it's a flat 8 million across, it was across four years, the last year, not guaranteed. You know, they, they they put themselves in a really good position. Um, You know, it's, it's a movable contract if they need to move it. I mean, they just, they just make smart decisions, man.
0: Do you see them as a team that might enter the Davis sweepstakes if they don't have another star on the way? Uh, or do you think that it's going to take take one for them to be motivated to give up what it would cost to land Davis? And I guess, you know, order of operations here matters as well, because we're assuming that the Pelicans will even let this ride out into the start of free agency when there's probably a chance that they could do it before the draft or on draft night or, or just... Something like that, in which case the Clippers almost have to make that decision before free agency ever starts.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of order of operations, I could see New Orleans agreeing to a deal that wouldn't be finalized until July first. So, I mean, agreeing to a deal before the draft, and then July first, it finally becoming official. Um, I can see them. They have to explore. They have to look into a guy like AD. If AD is available, that's somebody you you could make happen. You got you got to explore. it. I don't know if they have enough. Um, you know, I think any deal is going to be centered around uh, uh, Shea Hylkas Alexander, whose name I can barely say. Uh, uh, Landry Shamit. I think it's going to require probably moving a guy like Gallinari because to make the money match it's going to require draft picks. So the Miami pick, the uh, their their draft pick. I think all that's got to go. I just don't know if that's as good an offer as they can get. I think they'll get better offers from other teams, so I don't know if they're in that running. But if you're the Clippers, you have to look at that, and you have to be willing to give up those assets because it's going to cost you something to get him, and you can't sit there and think, okay, well, I don't want to give up Shamit, or I don't want to give up Shea. I'm mm-hmm. like, you guys don't have that choice. And we we run into it across every trade, right? There's every fan base. That's like I they, they become too attached to these young guys and, and they're in love with the idea of what they might be instead of looking at somebody that can help them right now. And I think that's something the organization will have to figure out really where they're at in that regard. But I think you know you have a guy like AD in the fold, it, and, and if you're able to keep the cap space, you're going to be able to go after a guy like Kawhi still, and that that that's got to make you more valuable um, in the free agency run. Uh, I think that's kind of that's why I, I won't be surprised to see a, a, a AD deal done before July 1st, so that teams can say, I have, we have AD, you know, and I think that matters. And also another thing, which we'll find out about in the next week is how the draft lottery shakes out. I mean, would you rather have Landry Shamit and, 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 and Shay or, or, or the number one pick?
0: I think I'd rather have the number one pick, but if you go, if you're asking about the number two or number three pick, I might say, I'd rather have Shamit and, you know, Shay.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, if it's the number one pick, I, I, I would make the move two or three. Then 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 we're getting into what else is what else is available. So um, it's going to be an. I mean, it, it's hard because it's just such a crazy offseason. Right. There's so many different possible scenarios that could play out. Um, But they're one of those teams that just that they feel like in good positions. And 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 I feel like it's it's weird. And it, this is probably terrible podcasting, but they can be involved in anything they want to be just because how flexible they are.
0: It will, I don't think that's a dumb, po- that's not bad podcasting form at all because they're, that's what's intriguing about them because their response to what could be failure. And it does seem, it's a little bit, I, I would say less than Kevin Durant to New York, but the Kwaii to Clippers noise feels feta complete at this point. That said, their response to missing out on that ideal scenario would say a whole lot more about their front office. We're already praising them, but if they continue. To make the smart moves in the face of uh knowing that their their you know their grand prize the reason why they were doing everything wasn't on its way, that's might be more telltale than anything we've seen thus far
1: yeah, I think they're just kind of they're 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 just well positioned man it's so it's it's very it's first off it's just jarring to see the clipper organization so well positioned <laughs> um you know having worked there you know for you know, I spent six years in two different stints with that organization. So having kind of seen how it's, you know, it changed when I came back, but now having seen it now, it's like, wow, this is, this is even more drastic in a, in a positive way. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just a weird feeling when you look at it going like, damn, they 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 did a good job. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty set up. All right, cool. Okay. Couldn't do this when I was there. All right, well, fine. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah but all right uh, but that's but they're but they're in a good situation now so I'm I'm just, no matter what decisions you know what also this front office earns has earned the right of everybody being patient with them
0: right they've definitely earned the benefit of the doubt to date the good thing about the I think Davis if we're looking at it from just a content perspective there's a chance that the Clippers might be the best trade destination just because it's they play in the same building as the Lakers right now everything that's going on with the Lakers we know how much LeBron. Want an AD and to then just have him like there, but for the other team would just be spectacular.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the, I mean, it would, it would drive Laker fans nuts. It would have, uh, uh, so many, it would bring back so much Chris Paul drama for them. You know, like they're, they're going to have PTSD, Chris Paul <laughs> trade stuff that it's, it's, you know, another guy from New Orleans that was supposed to be a Laker ends up a Clipper is, is going to just, uh, I will look forward to that day on Twitter. Um, if, if that were to happen, but the, uh, I mean, it's a good scenario. It's a good place to be. It's again, everything we talked about, we don't even know who the Laker coach is going to be. We, everything sounds like that front office is completely in shambles and, and, and just seems like every day they're, they're, they're tripping over themselves. Whereas again, the Clippers are just humming along quietly, just going about their business and, and, and making every smart decision. So um, it, it's the most stable place. It's the place where you'd want to be, I think. More, um, besides the fact they have LeBron, I, I, I think this is a place that, that's really more interesting.
0: Of their incumbent free agents, and this is another thing that's tough to profile without knowing uh, what they do on the KD Kawhi front. First, do you view any of them as must keepers? I know you mentioned Beverly already. They Zubac had sort of a you know just mini hot streak after. He was traded from the Clippers. Um, Wilson Chandler, you mentioned already. They have Jamichael Green and Garrett Temple. Which that was one of the under the radar great trades of the season too. Uh, getting off Avery Bradley for two players that just fit the Clippers better, and Jamichael Green ended up playing some really big minutes for them in the playoffs against the Warriors.
1: Yeah, I honestly, I thought that was. I think you nailed it. That was one of the best trades pulled off at the deadline that really flew under the radar. Um, especially with Jamichael Green's ability to shoot. It really helped with the Montrez, Lou Williams pick and roll. Cause like when, when uh, Harold would roll, you have green kind of lifting up and that opens up opportunities, you know, to to continue to spread the floor a bit. And if they collapsed on Harold, Harold did a good job. He he had a great year um, and, and, and did a good job of catching and being able to make that pass. Uh, if the defense had him covered up. So I think, I think he's really important to bring back. As I said, I think you got to bring back Patrick Beverly. Uh his is not just his defense, but it's his leadership. It's his his kind of like he brings the toughness. Like he's the kind of guy. I love guys like him. Like these are the type of guys I want to coach. Just tough, gritty. They're going to get in your face. You know, and they do he did a great job in the locker room as a leader, which is impressive, especially as a free agent, when you look at it in the sense of, hey, you know, he knows they're going after big names you know he he might not be back that didn't bother him at all he just kept playing and and kept trying to will this team as much as he could and and also that's that's something to be said about all the free agents all those guys could have started causing trouble in the locker room a little bit of of you know like being a bit upset with with the possibility of like you guys we're playing our butts off but you guys are already looking at next year kind of attitude now these guys were locked in and focused, and that that goes to how strong the locker room leadership was, and that also goes to Doc's leadership. On that side, though, yeah, I think you got to bring back Beverly. I think you know if 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 you can, you got to bring back to Michael Green. And I, I I know Garrett Temple didn't shoot it all that well, but I just think he's a great locker room guy. I think that's a guy I I try to bring back if I could get him at a reasonable number. It's going to be hard. A ton of teams have space, and you know there's going to be a few teams that are just going to throw wild money out there. Um, So you you, you got to just hope you can hold on to these guys, but like you said, it's tough too because you gotta you gotta wait it out and see what happens with Kawhi, with KD, with Clay, um, you know, with those big names first before you you, you pull the trigger on those other guys.
0: I think it helps them now though because you don't have to buy as Harris. There's not really Beverly's probably would be their biggest flight risk in the sense I think he drums up the most interest, but even some of the teams that are probably going to want him the most are going to be in the mix for those same names. And so there's now there's no one left on your free agency docket that you necessarily have to wait uh, or worry about not waiting for you.
1: Yeah. And I think the other side of it too, is I, I kind of feel like Beverly wants to, to stick around. I I have, I have no, this is reckless speculation. Also might be a fun podcast name.
0: Um, (laughs) Actually, I agree. Reckless speculation. That needs to be your podcast.
1: I don't know if that's me. I don't know if I could pull that off. I don't tend to do that. Um, but I would. I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Beverly wants to stick around. You know, he's he's kind of embraced L.A. And to be honest, the Clipper fans have embraced him. They love him. You know, and 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 rightfully so. He's earned it. And I think that might be. A, this could be a good match. So I I could see Beverly kind of waiting it out. But all these guys too are are second tier guys in the free agency market, maybe even tier three, you know, they're not the guys that are going to sign deals on, on July one or two kind of thing. They're, they're a little bit later. So, um, but you're right. The a Harris thing. Like he's tier one. He's going to get a contract agreement somewhere in the first two days of, uh, of free agency, most likely.
0: The thing about Beverly too, is he just fits with whatever version of the Clippers might exist or whatever. Like he's just, we talk about plug and play guys. Very rarely are those. Do, do they come in the back court or are they guys who can then go and defend point guards, whoever they are? But with him, you know, would you want him to turn the ball over less in the pick and roll, maybe be more of a scoring threat with the ball in his hands? Sure. But the fact that he can work so well off the ball, can shoot a zillion percent on spot up threes, and then just play his ass off on the defensive end is just like that. That works across all thirty teams.
1: And the thing is, he never plays outside of his role like that's such a big thing i think that that never gets talked about he understands what his role is he kind of knows who he is in the league and he knows he's not going to be a 35 point scorer right he knows he's not his job's not going to get 20 shots up in a game um you know he he knows his role and that's such a valuable thing at least on the coaching side of it of of having a guy that understands that really makes things a lot easier
0: Alright everyone, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a 5-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have already tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund, nothing to lose. Go try this. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for only $3.
1: Uh, I'm not sure who that is necessarily, um, but I think that's a uh, that's got to be considered a need, at least a, a starting center, almost to the point that it's like, hey, we... You're going to just play 20 minutes a game. We're really going to go to Harrell down the stretch and whatnot. But you need those 20 minutes to be rock solid. If you're going to if you're going to really make that leap, I I like Zubac, but I don't think he's that guy. I think at best he's really a backup center, um, you know, kind of a a, a minutes eater. But I don't see him as really being that guy. And and for what they hope to do and what they hope to accomplish this this off season, they're going to need a better guy at that position.
0: And I guess if you're hoping that guy can play even small time minutes with Harold, you're probably looking at maybe a I don't know like a Brooke Lopez or Dwayne Dedmon might be good fits for something like that.
1: Right, somebody that could stretch the floor a little bit. I know those guys are gonna they're gonna be hard to find because they're gonna be pretty expensive. So it's but they got to try to find somebody.
0: Dwayne Dedmon quietly just a monster this season. I don't think people realize how well that he just shot from. From deep, or or even how sudden it really was. Like he doesn't shoot threes for the first like half decade of his career, and then the past two the past two seasons he's averaged three point three three point attempts per thirty six minutes, and then four point nine this season. And he shot thirty eight point two percent from beyond the arc this year. That's just.
1: It's shocking sometimes with these big guys, right? Like when they start, like when Mark Gasol started stepping out and shooting threes, you're like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're Brooke Lopez, you know, you're like, oh, oh, okay. I mean, like you're, it's, it it, it is a little bit kind of like, oh, wow, okay, we're doing this now. And, and with these big guys, they're like, yeah, we're doing this now. And they were like Mark Gasol threes too. Like he wasn't in the corner, he was taking
0: a bunch of above the break ones. So it's, again, just to see that. So, you know, to see that happen, this was his age twenty nine season, so to see it start in his age twenty-eight season, it's just it's very disarming to see, but he was I love Dwayne Deadman. Now just yeah. just a favorite of mine now. Yeah. Um yeah, as I clear my throat, is <laughs> now that we can maybe actually talk about uh some of the actual Clippers players, uh, do you think Shea Gilders Alexander is lead guard material, or do you think he's going to be forever best served in that off guard capacity
1: you know that's the kind of thing with him it's he he really can do both mm-hmm. I think they're grooming him to be the lead guard and they should he's got a lot of talent this kid can play uh he, he's still got a while to go but he he's really got the skills and I think you know it's it's good tutelage under you know Sam Cassell and and and, and Doc really kind of helping him work his way through it I mean the kid's got the frame you he's He's really got a lot of uh Sean Livingston. You know, I don't know how many people are gonna remember young Sean Livingston before his knee injury, but he's got that kind of potential. I don't know if he's as good of a passer as Livingston, but he's a lot better getting to the rim in that sense. You know, he's still got to work on his shot. That's gotta improve. But overall, I think he's got I mean, they they got a legitimate star in him. I know they they really like him. Oh, I was pretty wrong about his percentage. His three point percentage is 36.7. Um, yeah. I'd like it to be better, but it's still pretty, it is pretty good, but he's got to shoot more attempts. Um, but I think he's, I think he's got a chance to be really talented. Uh, I think that's, that's a guy that, you know, that's the fan. That's the guy the fans don't want to trade for like AD. you know, cause that's the kid. That's the kid. They're like, he's got so much promise and he does. There's no question about it. But at the same time, You know, you, you look at it and you go, he may make it. He may not. It's, it's hard with these guys They're you know, he's 20 years old. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a very different human being than what I was when I was 20. Um, I'd be 20 again. Oh gosh. I wish I could. Um, (laughs) but, but the, uh, but the whole thing of it is like, there's a, there's a lot of room for growth for him, but the most important thing is it seems like he wants it. Which is something you want to see in your young guys, and and he's kind of slowly making his way up. He had a real rough patch during the season where he really struggled, and even I mean, Doc didn't even play him that much for for a stretch because he was struggling so much. So um, he but he worked his way through that. He had a pretty solid playoffs. I mean, he was he is pretty impressive. I think he's he's on the route of of being that guy, being a lead guard, but that's still three four years away. He did look, and the percentages didn't
0: support this, but just towards the end of the year, he he did look a lot more comfortable pulling up off the dribble and just as a scorer in general out of the pick and roll. And that's, I, I think those would both be good harbingers of, can this guy be a lead ball handler, a lead guard? And my answer would tend to be yes now, but I was I was a sucker for him leading into the draft. There's always, I'm wrong all the time. There's always these players I end up caping for And I was, I thought that he was going to end up being really good. And I think he's still going to end up being really good. And even if you don't have from him that alpha offensive game, just all the stuff that he's going to be able to do on defense, he's so disruptive there already that he'll always have that element of his game to compensate for whatever he might be lacking on the offensive side.
1: Yeah. I mean, you nailed it right there. Um, Let's, cut this out and you, you just, what you said, we'll do in my voice (laughs) because that was the smart way of saying it. Whereas I rambled on, uh, but that's, but that's it with him, you know, and, and being able, like you said, I know the numbers didn't show up, but you're right. He got more comfortable in the pull up, you know, in that game a little bit and shooting off the dribble. And that's fine. You know, the thing is we all, we, we get locked up. So we get so deep into these guys as numbers as rookies and sophomores you know that's the improvement you want to see this is a kid that wasn't doing that at the start of the year and by the end of the year got comfortable enough that he can pull that off and did it pretty consistently says a lot
0: uh Landry Shamit who they picked up in the Tobias Harris trade is there a chance that his and I'm not saying marginally higher but is there a chance that his ceiling is way higher than it's advertised even now I know he receives due uh, for his shooting off screens and just general off-ball movement. But he had some nice moments uh, navigating the pick-and-roll with ball in his hands, both in Philly and in Los Angeles. He shot—this is something I didn't realize till I was doing research for this podcast— he shot better than 40% on not insignificant volume on pull-up three-pointers. And there, there were times with the Clippers that he was surviving defensively against small forwards, and you don't look at him and say, that's a wing. He's very clearly— yeah, the terms are so blurred now but a swing man a guard whatever you want to call him right and so just all those signs it's it's really making me wonder like is it possible that he's really I think we could say or would have said before that his ceiling is a solid starter a very good role player is there a, a chance though that he ends up being something just noticeably more than that
1: I mean there's a chance I don't necessarily believe it. I think, you know, who he is now is going to get marginally better, but I don't think he's going to eat that much better. Um, you know, they, in college, he was, you know, they tried to use him more as a pick and roll guy, as as, as a point guard more. And, and that just didn't really suit his game. You know, this is the right way to use him and yeah, have him in the pick and roll from time to time is fine, but having him as your main facilitator or, 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 or even secondary, I think that's where you're going to run into some problems. Um I think but I think what he does now is great and it's something that is highly valued. Shot forty five percent as a clipper from three. That's huge. He hit that big shot against the, the Warriors and that big comeback win in game two. I think all of that stuff matters and all of that kind of leads up to him, you know, getting better, but I just I just don't see him getting that much better. I could be way wrong on this and, and, and we could be laughing about this two or three years from now about how dumb I was on Shamit, but I just, I can't see him getting much further than this. You know, he, he, his stint in Philly was great for him because he got the tutelage from JJ Redick and you know, he's, he's JJ Redick good right now um in terms of shooting coming off screens and things like that so I think that's the best way to use him I, I just can't see uh I just don't see him I don't think his future is really kind of more than this
0: and who knows if he you have to be in the situation part of it too is probably to get the opportunity to do more and it's not for what he's already been billed as and just looking at what the Clippers could become or what they already are when you have Gallo and Lou Williams there and you're trying to groom Shea Gilgis Alexander as that primary ball handler you're, you're probably not going to get that same opportunity to do more stuff on the ball offensively at least
1: yeah I mean and then with Lou Williams there and I said earlier his contract his last year of the deal is not guaranteed I, I think I'm wrong I think it is guaranteed um, all the way through but still that's just eight million which is going to be a discount for, for freaking the the guy who's going to win sixth man of the year for the second year in a row um, you know, but you're not going to get those opportunities just with all those guys. There's not a lot of opportunities for him to do that. So situationally, no, it's, it's, it's probably not going to happen just cause he won't get the reps. But I also just don't think it's in his best interest to do that. Like, that's just not, that's not who he is. You know, you gotta be who you are sometimes and, and trying to be something you're not is, is how you end up hurting your, your value.
0: Yeah, uh, we might have both just been off on Lou Williams. He has a partial guarantee in his final year for one point five million. That contract still, I that the three years, even if he, I mean, they're going to end up keeping him. He would have to have or moving him, and that team will keep. But he would have to have an abomination of a season for a team to be like, we don't want to pay this just microwave scorer who can put up twenty points in his sleep, eight million dollars.
1: Right, right. I mean, that, I mean, he's he's great. Like, we just got to leave it at that. Like, he he can score any which way i watch him hit the game winner against uh brooklyn right in front of me um and let me tell you brooklyn defended that about as well as you could have and he drills like a a a really tough contested three from deep not like 30 plus feet deep and 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 drills it for for the win and it was just one of those things where like when he pulled up i was like oh wow that's not okay um you know and 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 that's just what he does he just scores
0: and it was there's been a lot of stuff about how his game can't translate to the playoffs as well and then this year in the 6 games versus the Warriors he had some huge moments could have shot the ball better from 3 but he had no problem getting uh to the free throw line shot a solid 45.3% on two pointers uh averaged almost 8 assists that was just yeah, i don't think you want him to be your best player obviously but the fact that he was just able to do that as the featured offensive hub against the Warriors is really, and we're not talking about a kid. This was 32 year old Lou Williams.
1: Right. And, and and to be honest, they gave the Warriors fits that Lou Williams, Harold pick and roll was a problem for them, you know, and that was something that really, they, they struggled to defend. And this is probably still the best defensive team we've had in the NBA for like the past five years.
0: Is is there, with all of this being said, a house of cards element, though, to the Clippers, to where it's... I think there's always that high variance risk when you're so invested in free agency as they are, but even though they're in this good position and they can run it back while fleshing out the roster a little bit, you you saw career years, basically, from Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, and Neil Gallinari, and it becomes a matter of, you know, can you count on them to deliver adequate encores to what they have? And so is there... Is their punchy playoff upstart status still hanging in the balance a little bit? Because if they don't get these stars, if free agency doesn't play out as planned, there's still something about them, to me at least, and maybe I'm wrong, that seems a little bit unknowable.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, you're 100% right. And there's there's a whole couple elements with it. One, it's counting on guys to have the year that they had uh, again. Which doesn't always work out that way, right? We've seen it with dudes in contract years, uh, and and whatnot, or Harold going into a contract year might want a a bigger role, um, and things like that. You know, I think uh, Patrick Riley calls it the disease of me, and I think those things tend to tend to cause a problem, right? Once you start getting success, you want more. We we saw it in Boston with with those young kids who. who had a lot of success and then had to take a a, a lesser role. And so it's going to be interesting how all of this navigates depending on what they do in free agency. And the other side of it, too, is, man, they were the darling of the NBA, right? Like everybody loved this team. This is a scrappy, tough team. You know, what happens when you get a superstar? You know, do you lose that identity a little bit? Do you lose some of that cohesion you had in the locker room? These are all things that are unknowable. Um, We won't know can tell if they get a star, uh, how it works in the locker room. If they get two stars, how does it play in the locker room? You know, I'm, I'm of the belief that I don't think Duran and Kawhi can play well together. Um, you know, I think they're both dominant one-on-one guys. I know that's who they're targeting and they want both of those guys, but I don't know if that's smart necessarily. Uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, um uh, 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 Kawhi and, and and Clay pairing would be really interesting because the way Clay plays kind of plays perfectly with Kawhi. But um, but then you have to figure out all these other guys. How does it work with Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell and and you know Jamal Green and 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 whoever else you bring back down Galinari, You know how do you how do you fit this all together? You know is Gallinari going to be a guy who again in a contract you're looking to do more, trying to secure his next contract, or is he a guy that He's also going to be concerned that, hey, I'm an asset now. I know I might get traded. You know, there's, there's just so many different elements that go into it, Dan, that it it gets kind of hard to figure out. But I am concerned that for me, my biggest concern is, do they lose that? They're such a lovable bunch. Do they lose that when they get a big name guy to join them?
0: The Kawhi KD thing would be funny if they ended up pairing up just so that we could recycle Durant's 2014 comments about Kawhi being a system player. Uh, oh, just, God. Just to draw. And then he did. I think it was. I can't remember the year. It might have been. He was with the Warriors. So I'll just say 2016 when this happened. But he had the chance to take it back. And he was he was like, nah. <laughs> so, it was just, so that's like I couldn't see them play together just because of that. I don't know if NBA players are as petty as I am. But that would that'd be so I'd be shocked if, if those were would, the two guys they ended up getting.
1: I would say I don't know if you're petty enough. <laughs> when it comes to NBA players cuz it's surprising sometimes with some of these guys where I'm like wow oh, oh, okay we're we're holding on to that all right cool so um yeah that's i i don't think you're petty enough
0: <laughs> um to the to the end of the, of all everything you just said about how complicated the clippers future is if they don't end up getting a star is there That chance, it definitely wouldn't happen over the offseason, but is there that chance then at midseason, if they're not in the playoff picture, if they're not even close to as good as they thought they were going to be, where they almost go the other direction where you start, you know, as you said, Gallo's in a contract year, Harrell's in a contract year, Williams will have another year left on his contract at a very decent price point. Do they start then looking at selling off those veteran pieces and, and steering into the rebuild that we thought they were going into at one point anyway? Or do you think that this team, because they're in L.A., because of how much stock they've placed in free agency, that they'll probably always prioritize, or not always, but at least for now, prioritize trying to remain relevant over reacting to maybe what we would call now, this year was an an unexpected, pleasant surprise, whereas next year they might just navigate any potential disappointment and not do anything drastic.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it would depend on what's going on in the market and what they're what they're seeing. I think this is a front office and ownership group that will capitalize on opportunities as we saw with the Zubach trade. They got the phone call about Zubach. They weren't
0: (laughs) That was such a great story too.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean they were like, You for 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 him? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hey, you're you're a Laker now. Go. Leave, Mike. In Um, hindsight,
0: could Magic Johnson have just been sort of throwing Jerry West a bone because he knew he was going to leave. This was like him extending a olive branch, a knowledge branch in the Lakers organization. He's like, I'm I, out anyway. So here you go.
1: I, I I don't think so. Um, but you know, he, with the Lakers, you can't rule anything out of uh the realm of possibility these days. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're just they're smart in that sense of being opportunistic. And if they think, hey, Gallo's in his contract year, we don't think we can resign him. We're not gonna be at the same uh we're, we're going to want to resign him at a much lower number. He's not going to be interested. We saw it with what they did with Tobias Harris. It will make a move. Same with Montrez Harrell, same with Lou Williams. Like if, if it, if it's smart for them, I think that's something they'll, they'll look at. If it's something where they can be proactive about, you know, this is really that, that device Harris trade shows you a lot of insight into how they think because they're very proactive about things. So I think that's something you got to be aware of, you know, going into it. Hey, If the team is nowhere near the playoffs come trade deadline, I wouldn't be shocked if they start going, like, okay, let's see what's out there for these guys because we don't think we're going to re sign Gallinari. Let's see what we can get for him. Like, they're not going to lose an asset for nothing.
0: That's, and you know, I personally forgot about that. I was asking you the question. You bring up Tobias Harris. I feel like maybe we've just been hardened to that trade um, because a few months have passed and everything that's just happened. But that was something that blew. I would, I just think people in general. Away, that they decided to make that move. And so this isn't a team that's necessarily going to do anything that's expected.
1: Yeah. I just don't think, yeah, I just think you got to think with them, they're going to, they're going to do their due diligence ahead of time. It's, it's refreshing to have a nice smart front office in in LA kind (laughs) of showing you how it's done. Um, You know, but they're, they're they're just so proactive because I don't, nobody was expecting Tobias Harris to get traded. I didn't have any anticipation that he was, I didn't even know they were looking to trade him. When I you got know, the
0: phone call, like it was three or four in the morning Eastern Time to come into work. When that happened, I that was not the name that I thought was going to ruin my night.
1: You were thinking AD got traded, right? You know, and that was and that was the thing. And and they had pulled off this 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 trade quietly and 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 got it done quickly. And I mean, they they got a bunch of assets out of it. They've accumulated a ton of assets, which makes them players in in the trade market. You know that that Miami 2021 picks going to be valuable, man. I don't know if they're going to be the ones to pick it. Who knows what, what situation Miami is going to be, but right now it doesn't look like they're going to be that good. Um, that's one of and, those picks to
0: track like the history of too, like how many times it can exchange hands before it actually conveys.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is, it's, it's, this is, it's with its third team now. So, um, it, it's gonna, and, and, and I won't be surprised if it gets moved again for a, a, a big piece. Um, but you know, again, they're just so proactive. I wouldn't be surprised if they've already scouted 2021 draft, thinking like, ah, these guys are the guys that might be available. Like, I mean, they're they're just so proactive with these things. You you got to give them credit. So I think, yeah, I, I, man, I I would just expect them to be smart about it. If they're out of the playoff race, I don't think they're they're going to be disillusioned about who they are. Um, that I would I would think they'd start to make moves.
0: This is the last of my own questions. Just gut feeling. Do you think that Kawhi is going to end up with the Clippers? Or do you maybe think that it's still up in the air? Because if Toronto ends up making the NBA finals or winning the championship, that might have some sway on his decision.
1: I think if Toronto does not win the championship, I mean, if they get to the finals, I think they have a good chance of keeping him. I think anything short of that, he's a Clipper. Um, I know there's been talk lately of, uh, LeBron and 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 his possibility he 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 could be a Laker. I don't see that. than that, yeah, he knows better. (laughs) Yeah, I just don't. I don't see that happening. Um, and and I don't think he wants to be a number two option or be considered with the number two option. Um, so I think that's that's what makes the Clippers so interesting for him. So I think he ends up a a Clipper, and and shoot, we might feel that way as early as Sunday. Yeah.
0: Um. Do you have time for just a couple rapid fire listeners? Absolutely, questions? man.
1: Whatever whatever you got.
0: Um this one is from Matt Wong at Sir Mathias. He asks, who are we already talked about they should focus on the center position, but are there any just non stars in general you think the Clippers should target in free agency who are not their own?
1: Um, well, I I mean, I think one of their first phone calls should be to Brooke Lopez. I mean, he adds a lot. And and from what we've seen this year with the Bucks, it's it's going to be uh, interesting. I imagine he's going to want to stay at Buck, and I think they're going to feel that way. But money talks. Um, I think he's a guy. I I think honestly, just stretch bigs, uh, wing defenders, because you're definitely going to need that. They they definitely need somebody that could defend a guy we saw it. they struggled defending duran i mean as great as patrick beverly was his numbers weren't all that good defending kd mm-hmm. um and and when you know and then they need that guy they need to find a guy almost a patrick beverly type but taller um i don't know who that is right now um so that's that's kind of the 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 way i would look at it
0: patrick beverly type of taller that's like kind of a dream player I don't even oh, know. I mean,
1: I, 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 you know who that is. That's Kawhi. I mean, that is, <laughs> <laughs> or I mean something, you know, so um, obviously I'm I'm uh, asking a lot here.
0: Um, this question comes from, hopefully uh, I hope they don't butcher the pronunciation, but Omir, it's at hosta Salata, at H-S-T-A-S-A-L-A-T-A, um, asks one of two questions, actually, um, is Shay. Landry Shamit, Jerome Robinson, um and an and a max contender, a max superstar plus the, you know, Lou Williams, is that a contender in the Western Conference?
1: I'm going to say no. Um I think the Western Conference is really tough. Uh I think there's a lot of teams we got to start looking out for. Uh I think we're it's way too early, but I think Dallas is going to be a team to keep an eye on. They're going to be interesting. I don't know if they're a contender yet, but there's a lot of competition for that. And I think thinking that Shay in year two, Shamit in year two are, are, are going to be ready for, for full on contender status. I, I don't think so. I mean, a lot of it also depends on who this max guy is. If I don't know if I wake up tomorrow and next thing you know, LeBron's a clipper. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's possible. Cause LeBron can be that good at times. Uh, but I don't know if there's anybody out there. I don't know as good as Kawhi is. And he's been great. We're watching it in the playoffs. I don't know if if he makes them a contender in the West. And and same if they get AD now. So uh, I'm not sure yet.
0: Omir um, also asks, how does a potential Kawhi under addition impact the duo of Montrezl Harrell and, and Lou Williams? That might actually be a good question, whether it kind of eats into their chemistry at all.
1: Well, it'll be interesting because you know I I imagine it's a if the Clippers stay with it the way they have both of those guys are going to come off the bench so it's almost kind of like all right we're going to let Kawhi rest and let these guys cook for a little bit the thing about Kawhi and this is this is what's funny you know Katie's comments that he's a system player really is it's a Spurs system but the thing that people that kind of goes unbeknownst to most people is Kawhi's really a one-on-one ball dominant guy. We're right. watching it now in Toronto and we're seeing it. But there were times with with the Spurs where he would just break off plays and go one on one and things like that. And he was just so good, you know, Pop's gonna let him do that. And and that was something in that regard. So it would be tough, I think, with all three of those guys together uh on the floor at the same time, because then I think it gets gets a little harder uh to kind of go like Kawhi trying to create and then kick it to those guys. But if they found a way to make that work with the three of them, that's that's pretty lethal because that's that's a high scoring combination uh, between the three of them.
0: And it's just we saw it in Toronto for most of the year. He seemed to exist so far outside whatever else they were doing on offense. I think it's gotten a little to a lot better since Marcus has come over and maybe the ball's just moving a little bit better. But that's like. That's something I think. Be it was there was always an element of that with the Spurs, but him being maybe in Toronto just because it's a new team, he seemed to just exist so far outside of their offensive system or their offensive approach at some points that you you're really watching him. You're like, wow, and that that's when it really started to you know. For me, this season, that's where it really hit me the most, at least.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a thing with with Toronto, like you know, they, they had two offenses going, they had one when Kawhi was in the game and it was all Kawhi all the time. And they're not wrong. I'm not, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, that's uh, uh the guy's an MVP caliber player. Um And then they had another one where when he was out and the ball would move side to side and guys would, you know, they'd find Siakam cutting there, you know, that was kind of when Kawhi Lowry would cook and it's all gotten better with Gasol, like you said, because he's, he's become more of a ball mover for them. Um, Really to the to killing his post game, which I think is actually kind of hurting them in this series. But that's for another podcast, another time. Um, But I think that's the uh, that's kind of the thing with Kawhi is he's a lot more ball dominant. He's not a natural playmaker. He'll make the right pass. He'll get some assists. But like, come on, like how many games have we felt like or how many games have we seen where Kawhi's had like nine, 10 assists on a regular basis when he does it? We're like, whoa, wow, that's amazing. But it's not something that we see consistently from him, and and that kind of makes it hard a little bit to play with him.
0: Yeah, that that that'll definitely be. And you mentioned it even earlier in the pod when you were talking about what happens in the locker room if they get a star. He's not the guy that's going to rally the locker room together either. And so he, I would put him on my team in a heartbeat. I'm just saying there's there's a lot more to it. You pointed this out already. Of just there's a lot more to to it than just adding the star and then everything is ho-hum there there's going to be a transition period both on and off the court probably
1: yeah i mean and and, it, and it's just the way it goes i mean whoever you bring in there's always going to be an adjustment period it's uh you know and, and and you have to figure it out and uh the the good thing is too though is they have a guy in doc rivers who's great at trying to figure it out so um he, he had best coaching I mean, this might have been the best year of his career, and I and I know saying that with all the, the, the championships he won in Boston and with those teams, but he, he did more with this team than I, than I think anybody even expected.
0: The only knock I had against him this season was that he had to be saved from himself a little bit, where if they didn't trade Avery Bradley, I shudder to think how many minutes he would have continued logging.
1: Yeah, and sometimes, you know, I mean, listen, man, coaches have their favorites. It's hard. I know we don't want to admit it, but it's hard sometimes. And 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 they can be blinded by that stuff. Um, so uh, I understand that, and I understand your thought behind it because it was it was becoming a problem.
0: Um, that'll do it for us. Those are all the questions we have. A couple others that are just not suitable for this podcast or not related to the tweet that was sent out soliciting them. Uh, Mo, thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time to talk about the Clippers and their outlook. Anyone who is not following him on Twitter – do it now, right now. At Mo Keel underscore MBA. That's at M O D A K H I L underscore MBA. Um, you can check out his work at Blue Wire uh, Podcast. Follow them at Blue Wire Pods. He will be making appearances on Blue Wire Buckets, other podcasts, I'm sure. And we have the what are we calling it now? The to be named later podcast. Yeah,
1: the the, the, the to be named the podcast to be named later. Or, or we can do it for the Harry Potter fans, you know, the podcast that shall not be named.
0: Oh, that might
1: be a good one, Dan. I might have gotten it.
0: That might be the one as a, as a Harry Potter nerd. That might be the one. If I'm, see, even I'm, if I'm not interested in basketball, I'm subscribing and rating to that podcast.
1: See, see, we loop in those people and they think it's a Harry Potter podcast. But here it is me talking about basketball and have no clue really too much about Harry Potter. I might uh, pull that off.
0: I'm, I'm with it. And if anyone needs the title for the podcast of Reckless Speculation, you will need to contact Mo for permission just to make sure that he has not used that already. And you can also check out his work. He's a freelance contributor for the Washington Post Sports. Again, I've gotten the opportunity to talk hoops with him now a few times. I thoroughly enjoy it, learn something every time. So follow him again at MoDeKiel underscore NBA. Until next time, though, I leave everybody with the shout-out to the legend, Kyle Anderson.